0: If you would, turn with me to the book of Psalms, so you can almost just open your Bible right in the middle, and you should be either in the Psalms or pretty close to them, and we're going we're gonna to be at Psalm 120 and 121 this morning, but as you're turning there, I wanted to ask you, How many of you have a road trip playlist of songs? You know, I guess back in the day it was a mixtape. And, you know, some of us, all all we had was a radio at one point. But you know what I mean by a playlist, right? A list of songs that you play on your trip where you're going somewhere. Well, I have two particular playlists that I like to use. Um, One is what I call my and this is just cheesy me, my country jams collection. Um, It's just a collection of old and new country songs that um, I usually use them in the last couple of hours of a trip when I'm getting sleepy, it's getting dark, and I just need something familiar and fun that I can sing to that will keep me awake. And so I I lean on some of my... um, some of my uh, rowdy friends like uh, Hank Jr. or Randy Travis or um, Alan Jackson, and these days Chris Stapleton, of course. Um, and they help me sing and stay awake. Then my, my main playlist, that I don't really have a good name for it, I just call it AAA because then that means it's at the top of all the playlists. Anyway, it's just my Christian music playlist. Um, and it's the one I play the most because it means the most to me, and I, I keep it updated with, with songs that keep my heart focused on who God is, uh, that help me remember who I am in relation to him, and help me remember where I'm going. Um, and a lot of those tracks are praise and worship songs, some are not. There's lots of Shane and Shane in that playlist. If you've never heard of Shane and Shane, look them up. And listen, it will do your heart good. Um, Little Chris Renzema in there somewhere. Okay. Uh, Great, big old playlist full of Christian music, a lot of praise and worship. Um, But to make it on that list, the song has to have a tune that I can sing and truth that sings to me. Well, the people of Israel had a road trip playlist. Of course... The whole, uh, the whole Psalter, all 150 Psalms or that, but inside the Psalter, there's another little mini playlist uh, that has been called the Songs of Ascent, and there's 15 of them from Psalm 120 to 134, and that's where we're going to spend our time this summer. Now, Eric and I have preached a few of these already, so we're not going to re-preach those, including Psalm 121 that we're reading today, but I've already preached that one. Eric's already preached Psalm 122, so there's a few of them down the road that we've already uh, preached, but uh, for the most part, we haven't touched this playlist. Um, And they would use this list of songs uh, when they would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year for the festivals, for the feasts. Um, On their way to Jerusalem, uh, the Feast of Passover in the spring, uh, and then... In the early summer, the Feast of Pentecost, they would go up to Jerusalem. Today, by the way, is Pentecost Sunday, so it was about this time of year that the people would travel to Jerusalem for that festival. And then in autumn, they would travel to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, also kind of a harvest festival. And since Jerusalem was settled on the highest topographical point of Israel, um, And since the Temple Mount was the highest point in Jerusalem, they always talked about going up to Jerusalem. It didn't matter whether you were coming from the north or the south or the west or the east. You were always going up to Jerusalem. And that's why they call these songs of ascent, going up songs, I guess you could call it. Uh, They were always ascending to Jerusalem, but particularly ascending to the presence of God. That was the idea of ascent in the Old Testament. And so at some point, these 15 songs were collected together to be a playlist for pilgrim people so that they could sing them on their journey with and to God. And uh, no matter what dangers, toils, or snares they would face on their ascent to God, this playlist for pilgrims would remind them who God is and who they are in relationship to Him and where they're going. And so that's what we're going to do this summer because it's my sense that many of us, including me, especially me, and perhaps we as a congregation uh, need some encouragement, the encouragement that these songs offer us in our journey with and to God. Uh, It's been a rough road for many of us these last few years, and we need to remember who God is and who we are and where we're going. And So that's what I'm asking God to do for us this summer as we uh, look at these songs of ascent. It's interesting that these first three songs, 120, 121, and 122, are are sort of a microcosm of the whole collection because Psalm 122, which Eric has already preached and we're not going to go over it again, uh, but we started, it was part of our call to worship this morning, Psalm 122 kind of tells us what the destination is. We're going up to the temple, we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to the presence of God. Psalm 120 is sort of the uh, starting line where the starting pistol is fired and we, we start the journey. And then Psalm 121 uh, talks about a promise that God makes to those who travel, uh, who are ascending to his, promi- uh, to his presence. And so, really, this whole collection of songs is... Uh, A bunch of promises uh, that we need to remember as we're on this journey together. So, let's get going, shall we? Would you stand with me? And let's hear the word of the God who loves you. The word of the God who loves you where you are, but loves you too much to leave you where you are. Psalm 120, a song of ascents. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Oh, here, let's do this. I forgot. This is what I want to do. I'm going to read the odd-numbered verses, and we're all going to read the even-numbered verses, okay? So we'll do a little antiphonal response. Okay, a song of ascents. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceit? deceitful tongue a warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar too long have I found my dwelling among those who hate peace I am for peace but when I speak they are for war hold on <laughs> you're even numbers I'm odd numbers nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. and Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these psalms that you have preserved for your people that your people over 2,500 years ago uh, prayed and sang and, and poured over together, um, and that now we, we, your people here at Mountain Fellowship on Signal Mountain, we can do the same. Would you help us today and this summer uh, to be strengthened for the journey by your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, how many of you have ever shimmied your way through what they call the fat Man squeeze at Rock City? Uh Uh-huh. Now, if you ain't from around here, down there at Rock City on Lookout Mountain, I'm looking at you, Brian. Um, You heard of Rock City? Yes, sir. Have you seen a million barns with Sea Rock City painted on the side of it? Okay. Well, over there at Rock City, there's this little path that they take you through where you can look at all the little, whatever they are, the gnomes and whatever little critters are out there. Uh, And you go through this path, but there's this one part called Fat Man's Squeeze, and it's where these two giant rocks come together, and it's very, very narrow, and, you know, some of us have to squeeze our way through there, and, and it's a little narrow, and it's a little. It's a little squeezy, I'm just telling you. Um, so you should try it sometime. Everybody needs to try Fat Man Squeeze, right? Now, there is, it, there is a way around it if you want to get around it. But so if, if you've experienced Fat Man Squeeze, then you, you can understand a little bit about what our psalm writer is talking about here this morning. Because he felt like he was literally between a rock and a hard place. He says in verse 1, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And that word distress means a narrow, a narrow place. Uh, it, It really means between a rock and a hard place. It's just this narrow, tight spot. And he was feeling squeezed in by hard things on all sides. And he felt stuck. He felt stuck in a hard place. So I wonder what was squeezing this psalm writer, what pressures was he feeling, what made him feel like he was stuck? Well, two things I think, and and here's what I'm going to do: we're going to spend a little more time in Psalm 120. I'm not going to spend a ton of time in 121 because I've already preached it, and and then we're going to we're going to go to Jesus. Okay, so that's the plan, and I don't intend to spend a whole lot of time with this this morning. I just want to get right to the point. He was squeezed between questions about reality and questions about relationships. Let me explain what I mean. Questions about reality. He says in verses 2 to 4, he talks about all these lying lips and deceitful tongues. Everything, everybody around him is lying. He lives in a land of lies. And he, he's saying, I struggle to know what's real anymore. I don't know who to believe. I'm not sure what's true Anymore, And I'm stuck here in this fat man's squeeze of lies and deception. That was written over 2,500 years ago. And it sounds like he could have written it for our, our time and our culture yesterday. Because this is a great description of one of the things that we feel stuck about and squeezed and pressured about in our day. Have you felt lied to lately? We're getting lied to all the time. Advertisers and social media influencers are lying to us about what the good life is and how to get it. Um, They're lying to us about the fact that they say you can decide who you are. Entertainers are lying to us, offering us a shallow escape from all these pressures we feel. Politicians and political parties are lying to us, saying that they are the way to have power and control that you, you don't feel like you have. Religions and churches are lying, some of them, saying God will help you feel good if you just do good. And You know, some so-called Christian churches teach that as well. Just do good and you'll feel good, and God, that's what God's there to do is to help you do good and feel good. And we've got churches today who are lying about their own pursuit of power and money and trying to cover up the ways that they've pursued those things. It's just lie after lie after lie after lie. And we're not even talking about the way we lie to ourselves and lie to one another. Are you tired of being lied to yet? the psalmist was weary of lies. Are you beginning to wonder if there's anyone you can believe? Are you beginning to wonder if there's anything true? Could you really know what's real? Who's lying to me? Who's not? Do you feel stuck in the lies that you're being told today? So, on the one hand, he was pressed against the rock of questions about reality, and now on the other hand, he's pressed against the hard place of relationships, questions about relationships. Look, verses 5 through 7, he says, Woe to me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cry of despair. Uh, I live in Meshach and Kedar. Meshach was way, way over, probably... Uh, southern, what we would know as southern Russia today, and Kedar was on the southeastern border of uh, Israel, but both of those places were uh, places of desolation and and no peace, and they were far, far away from Jerusalem, from the temple, from the presence of God. Woe to me, I've got to live out here with these people. Too long I've been dwelling among those who hate peace. I'm for peace, And therefore, war. I'm weary of the anger. I'm weary of the fighting. I'm weary of the conflict in my world, in my family, at work, in my neighborhood, in my church. I don't know where I belong. I'm not sure who I can trust anymore. I'm stuck here in the squeeze of this relational dysfunction that's everywhere around me. So I ask you, how's the quality of your relationships been affected in the last couple of years? <laughs> By the pandemic or politics or the pressure, just the pressure and busyness of everyone's pursuit of the good life? Are there people that you avoid or don't talk to that you used to talk to three years ago? Are you beginning to wonder if there's anywhere you truly belong? Are you beginning to wonder if there's anyone you can really trust with your heart? Where are you relationally stuck right now? This man was stuck between questions about reality and frustrations with relationships. How about you? Oh, wow, that's that's a depressing start to the new summer series. But I have the same question for God. Why would you start your playlist for pilgrims with such a depressing song? I mean, I don't know what the tune of this song was, but I can imagine it had a lot of minor chords in it probably. It sounded like a funeral dirge. Why start with such a sad song? And perhaps the clue is in verse 1. Look at what he says. He says, in my distress, in that squeeze, in that hard place, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. The pressure of being caught between the rock of questions about reality and the hard place of frustrating relationships squeezed a prayer out of this man. Feeling stuck pressed him to pursue God. Feeling stuck pressed him to pursue God. C.S. Lewis once famously famously said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And the pressures that we're feeling are telling us this. I was made for a reality that only God can truly reveal to me. Everybody else is lying about what reality is. Only God can reveal to me truly the reality for which I was made. The pressures we're feeling are also telling us this. I was made for a kind of relationship that I can only ultimately trust God to provide for me. And so here's what I want us to hear this morning. The journey to where God wants you to be starts with dissatisfaction with where you are. Because if I'm comfortable without God, I will never move toward him. If I'm comfortable in this land of lies and broken relationships, And I don't really feel any pressure about it. I'll never be pressed to pursue God. So you all know the the map at the mall that has the red dot that says you are here, right? The red dot is there telling you you are here because you need to know where you are before you can get to where you need to be, okay? So here's my red dot question for you. Where are you these days? Where's your heart? And maybe, maybe you, you can totally resonate with what the psalmist is writing in Psalm 120. And you just feel that, that squeeze on you. And maybe, maybe you don't right now. Sometimes the psalms express what we are feeling and sometimes the psalms help us understand what we should be feeling. And it depends on where you are as to which one it does for you. But where, what's your red dot? Where are you? Are you ever like me? Sometimes... Sometimes I feel like I walk on this journey uh, with God, but with God in my head and not by my side. Does that sound familiar? I feel like I'm on this journey, but I have God in my head and not by my side. And What I mean by that, I think, is I try to think about God as I'm going through my life or or I try to think as God would have me to think about what's going on in my life. But I don't talk to him like he's walking with me through it all. So here he is, walking with me through all these things, and all I do is just think about him and think about what he might say about these things. Try to think biblically. Try to have my quiet time every day so that I'm in tune with what God says and what His story is. And He's over here like, talk to me. All that stuff is great, but talk to me. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Sometimes. Um, I just, I don't let the pressure I feel about what's going on in my world uh, press me to pray. Press me to talk to him, which is what prayer is. I just keep it all in my head. And he's saying, no, I'm, I'm right here. Let's talk about these things, not just think about these things. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. This is one of the most amazing, crazy, interesting things I've ever read in the Bible. And for those of you who are familiar with Genesis 5, you're thinking, what are you talking about? Genesis 5 is just a list, is is a genealogy. So-and-so begat so-and-so and did this and that, and it's just this list of generations. What's so amazing about that? Well, I'm going to show you. It's Pretty cool. So in uh, verses 3 through 20, the basic pattern of these verses, we're not going to read them all, is that so-and-so lived, fathered so-and-so, lived some more, and then died. It starts with Adam, and it just goes on and on. You know, Adam lived, and then he fathered Seth. And then he lived some more, and then he died. Seth lived, and he fathered his kid, and he lived some more, and then he died. And it just goes on and on and on like that, and you're thinking, "Oh boy, this is riveting." Um, but then it gets to verse, what is it? 21. And look, it talks about Enoch, and something different happens. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So the pattern is broken. It's no longer, it didn't say Enoch lived, he fathered some kids and he lived some more and he died. So no, Enoch lived and he walked with God He fathered some kids, but he walked with God, and then he went missing because God took him. Have you ever read that before? That's so cool. And I think he's trying to tell us something. He, the Holy Spirit, God, is trying to say, you can just walk through life like everybody else does, or you can walk with me. What do you want? And and this is pure speculation, but people have said, so why does he even say, I mean, apparently, he didn't die. God just took him, and he went missing. Nobody could find him. Nobody could find his body. He took him, and the question has been, why? Well, speculation is, perhaps Enoch's heart to walk with God and to live a life that's just with God and walking with God and enjoying God uh, and wanting God's presence so much that God finally said, yeah, come up here and let's do it right. And he took him. I don't know if that's true or not, but the point is still, Enoch lived life differently than everybody else. Everybody's going to live. Everybody's going to do some stuff, and everybody's going to die. Or, you could do it this way. Live, walk with God now while you're doing some stuff, and then walk with him forever. That's the journey of the Christian life. We're walking with his presence now to his presence then. Which of those journeys do you want your life to look like? I think the Holy Spirit put Psalm 120 at the beginning of this playlist to stir stuck people, to start living by walking with God to God. And so if that's where you are this morning, if you're just stuck and you're like, I'm so weary of life and the blah of life here, there's another way to do life. And that's to be pressed so much by what's going on that you All you know to do is pray and pursue God and walk with him. What's it going to be for you today? What's it going to be for us, Mountain Fellowship, as we continue our journey together? Are we just going to trudge along and be angry about the lies and disappointed with our relationships? Or will we move toward God together in prayer, crying out to him in the midst of our distress? Did you notice in verse 1 that he said, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. I read that and I thought, okay, so where's the answer? And I, I didn't see an answer in Psalm 120. Except maybe the verse where he says that the liars are going to be pierced with arrows and burned up. Maybe that was a little bit of hope there. But other than that, what, he doesn't, it doesn't really say that he answered the psalmist. And I wonder if that's because the answer from God is the next 14 psalms. Each of the next 14 songs of ascent have some specific encouragement for walking with God on the narrow way, for walking with God and crying out to God and paying attention to God in the squeeze. If you notice in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, um, the psalm writer is speaking. But in the rest of Psalm 121, someone else is speaking to him in verses 3 through 8. And perhaps this is the beginning of how the Lord answered him when he called out in his distress. And so... I just want to briefly say, since I've already preached on Psalm 121 before, let me just summarize for you the Lord's first answer to this stuck pilgrim. It's all summed up in verse 5 when he says, The Lord is your keeper. No less than six times the Lord tells this weary traveler, I am your keeper. It means your guard the one who's watching over you, who, who's keeping you as you travel. Look look real quick in verses 3 through 8 where he says it six times. Verse 3, He who will not let your foot be moved, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, who, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, The Lord is your keeper, Verse uh, 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And then verse 8, the promise that your whole journey is kept by the Lord. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Here's the first answer to the squeezed man's prayer. The Lord says, I'm your keeper as you journey through this rock and hard place. Here's the promise. Whether you're afraid your foot's going to slip on this journey or that you'll be exhausted from the heat of the journey or that you'll become moonstruck. You know, he says, uh, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. And and this is where we get the word lunatic from. (laughs) You may be afraid that this journey through this world is going to drive you crazy. No matter what you're afraid of, your God will guard you, he's saying. Evil things may happen to you, but evil will not get you. The Lord will keep you from evil, ultimately. What the devil and others mean for evil, God will work for your good. That's what he means when he says um, he will keep you from evil, not that he will keep you from having hard things or evil things happen but they will not ultimately work for evil, but for your good. What or who can ultimately be against you if God is for you? And I love verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. He's saying that no matter what you're going through on this journey, I'm as close as your shadow. I'm as close as the shade that your body makes on the ground. I'm as close as your shadow. And wherever you go, I'll be there. Friends, that's the encouragement to us when we're stuck. We cry out to the Lord and the first thing He'll say is, I know and I'm going to keep you. I'm going to guard you. But we on this side of the cross in the empty tomb, we can know the promise of God keeping us better than the psalmist ever could, better than anyone in Israel ever could because Jesus is the ultimate answer to the, the psalmist's cry when, when he said, I cried out to the Lord and he delivered me, he answered me and delivered me, Jesus is that answer to us. Listen, I, as I was studying this, even this morning, I remembered, whoa, this is so cool. In John 17, when Jesus prays the night before he's crucified, this is part of his prayer for us, for his disciples and for those who would believe their message. He prayed to God. He said, "Uh, Father, all mine are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world. I'm through with my journey with my pilgrimage in the world. But they are in the world. They're still walking. And I'm coming to you. I'm ascending to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Keep them, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except Judas who was destined to be lost. He goes on and says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. These are the very promises of Psalm 121. Jesus is the one who fulfills them. Our Father keeps us. Jesus keeps us and will keep us from evil. He guards us, and he continues to pray this same prayer for us even now. And friends, how? How is Jesus the answer that we need? How is he our keeper? How is it possible that he could be that one? Well, it's because Jesus was pressed between a rock and a hard place. Jesus was pressed between the reality that we, those he loves, should be forsaken on one hand and pressed against the relationship he had with his father, which he knew the next day would, that he would be forsaken by his father. He would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was pressed between his love for sinners who should be forsaken and his love for his Father who would forsake him for the sake of them. (laughs) And it squeezed a prayer out of him. It squeezed love and compassion in a prayer that said, Father, if there's any other way to accomplish this, please do, but, but not my will. And he squeezed a prayer out of him on the cross when in anguish he cried in our place, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did all that so that you and I would never, ever, ever know what it means to be forsaken by the Father. And we can know that in the middle of our squeezed lives. We can cry out to the one who has promised he would guard us and keep us in Christ Jesus. Father, would you help us to remember this as we continue on our journey with you? Um, even as we as a church, as a congregation, continue our journey as a family. Um, we're, we're coming up on 11 years of life together as a family at Mountain Fellowship. And the journey has (laughs) had some serious ups and downs and some serious hard rocks and hard places. And yet, you have been faithful to walk with us, to keep us, to guard us. Would you help us um, when we're feeling the pinch to pursue you? To walk with you. To cry out to you. And to talk with you while we walk. Would you help us to do that we ask in Jesus name. Amen.